maybe I'm crazy, but you can be the hero and the villain. Jared Krause. Maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm not. Welcome to the Maybe I'm Crazy podcast. I'm Joy Taylor. Thanks for joining us. Joel Klatt jumps on the podcast with us this week. Obviously, the draft is coming up this weekend. Super excited. And he is our main college football guy at Fox Sports. So he knows these guys very well. And we talk a lot about the quarterbacks and receivers and some of the possible trades, how the draft is even going to work. Um, so he's great. He's on with us this week. Of course, we have the whole crew. We'll talk about the Gronk move. We'll talk about the last dance. Everyone's talking about MJ and Jerry Krause. Draymond Green dropped a little uh, tea afterwards um, on a live. So we'll talk about that with Kevin Durant. Lots of stuff going on right now. Plenty to talk about. Good times. Hope you guys are staying safe and well and healthy. And this will all be over soon. But let's get started with Joel Klatt. <laughs> All right, very excited to have Joel Klatz, uh, FS1 Fox Sports family, on the show today on the podcast. Appreciate it. I know you're super busy right now. <laughs> this is like hey, outside of good. college football season, probably the busiest time of your year, I'm imagining. No doubt. But it's also an incredibly fun time of year, right? You know, I mean, to watch all these guys that I've watched for two or three years, um, sometimes four years. And to see like their career come to fruition for the NFL, it's really it's really cool and exciting, and uh, I can't wait for Thursday night. Yeah, I'm not I'm not like a huge draft nerd into like you know the later rounds. Obviously, this year I'm I'm gonna be, but uh, I love the draft. I mean, I every year the draft always brings me back to when my brother was drafted, which is you know it's just such a life changing moment, no matter what round you go in, and I, I love seeing these guys. Um, you know, it's kind of selfish, I guess, but, you know, to see the overwhelming emotion and, you know, their families are so happy because you know what it is, like, you know what that experience is, no matter what your career is going to become, you can always say that, you know, you were drafted into the NFL and that changes your life. Well, and as you know, firsthand, you know, from Jason's experience, it is a commitment that is family deep. It's not just, I mean, certainly the individual, right? As you know, like you got to work hard for so many years to get to this point, the commitment level, but also the commitment of the family, a lot of times the financial commitment to the families uh, that they've um, gone through. And this is a culmination of that. So you're right, like the celebration of those things kind of come together is, is, is a really special, especially in the first round. Because let's face it, even if these guys don't have long careers who get drafted in particular on Thursday night, this is really big money, you know, and if they're smart with it, it's life-changing money. So it's it's awesome to see that kind of come to fruition. Well, that being said, until we get into the uh, the obvious conversations, is there any one, well, that's probably an unfair question, but is there any one player in the draft that you, you know, you have a little special little heartstring to that you're <laughs> looking forward to, yeah. you know, seeing drafted wherever he may go? Well, there's, there's actually a few and it's, and it's really born out of the fact that I got to know them, sit with them while I was covering them in college. Um, I'll I'll always remember the first time I ever stood next to and talked with Chase Young. You know, he was a true freshman, not even really a a, a freshman yet. He was in the spring of his high school senior year. He had graduated early and came to spring football at Ohio state. And I remember walking out there and I was so excited to see Bosa. I was like, man, I can't wait to see, you know, how he's progressing. He was coming off of an injury and I walked out and I'm like, 
who is that? You know, because I didn't like follow recruiting quite up to the point where I do now. And there was this monster and they were like, oh yeah, he's a, he's a freshman. And I was like, time out. He's a what? And so I talked with him that day. And from that point on, you know, I've, I've, I've pictured this day for him. I said, when he was a freshman, he got in late in the game against Maryland. Gus and I were doing the game. And I said, Hey, you know, 2020, April, 2020, you're going to hear this kid's name in the top five. And, and I kind of put that out there on a major broadcast, took some flack for, for it, but I can't wait to see that come to fruition. And then another one that, that I just want to get into briefly, and I just love his story. Yitor Gross Matos is the edge rusher for Penn State. And Joy, he is a phenomenal person. He's a really great player and likely going to get selected on Thursday. And you don't just become a first-round pick uh, uh, because it's a great story. So he's a great player. But think about this. When he was two years old, he was with his family and he fell in he fell overboard and he did not have a life jacket on and his dad dove in after him and saved his life but in the process lost his own so his dad passed day while he was saving his life um ended up remarrying a couple years later and he had a brother that was like a you know best friend almost like a twin to him but was one year older than him And while his stepfather was their little league coach, when Yeetzor was 11 years old, they were out on a little league baseball field and a bolt of lightning hit his brother. And his brother passed that day in front of his eyes. And this guy is the most genuine, hardworking, unbelievably humble, you know, great kid to talk to. I'm getting a little emotional because I can't wait to hear his name on Thursday night Uh, that I mean that story just touches my heart you know all the hardship that he's been through and his family has been through so I can't wait to to see Yitor Gross Matos get selected that's amazing lose your father in front of your eyes as well I guess he was too young to remember I'm sure but you know lose your father and your brother that's that's incredible um okay well transitioning into some of the bigger names and obviously the quarterbacks in this draft have been much discussed as they usually are but this year is kind of interesting because Tua so Tua Mm -hmm. is the big wild factor wild card in this year's draft Um, obviously my Dolphins have been linked to him since last year now full transparent well listen I'm very transparent about how I feel about Tua and Burrow but um you may not remember where I stand. So I've, I've never been huge on Tua for multiple reasons. Um, I don't, it's not that I don't think he's super talented, but I, you know, uh, look, I don't love Alabama quarterbacks for one. So maybe I need to just get over that. And he's going to be the one to prove, prove all of us wrong or me wrong on Alabama quarterbacks. Uh, I don't love the injury history. And as of late, the more that it's been broken down by people, why he's injured, because I don't really think that he's fragile, but you know, he, he has been habitually injured and the last yep. one being kind of a catastrophic injury. Uh, I, I, he's getting these injuries in part because he's holding onto the ball too long. Mm-hmm. And at the next level, they're faster and bigger and know how to get to you <laughs> on another level than college. No doubt. So it scares me because I, I love guys who may not be the most talented but are always available and durable. That's why I love Dak Prescott. Yep. He, you know, it's it's one of the p- big factors in why I think he deserves to be paid outside of all the other, you know, the winning and whatever. Consistency at that position is important to me. So yep. uh, that said, I still think you have to take a risk if he's available at the fifth spot. But do you trade up to get Tua? 
Uh, I mean, I agree with almost everything you just said um, there, virtually everything. Um, Joy, if I was Miami, I would do, because they have so many picks, right? I mean, they and they've got a repertoire next year as well. So they have a- I think they have 23 chest. over the next two years. They have a war chest of picks. I would force Cincinnati to say no. Because Joe Burrow, to me, as you've stated, and I think you've stated it perfectly, really is the best quarterback available. And if you were really evaluating, and this is interesting, if you were really evaluating Trevor Lawrence from Clemson against Joe Burrow and they were in the same draft, you might lean Burrow. Um, that's that's how good the film was this year. I mean, he was outstanding. I'm not saying everybody would. I'm not saying it's a slam dunk. I'm saying some might lean Joe Burrow. That's how good he is. So first and foremost for Miami, with my war chest, I would force Cincinnati to tell me no and to go away. And then at that point, now I've got a decision to make. Am I going to sit there and hope that the Chargers don't jump me? And if, if Tua is my guy, or am I going to stand pat? Here's why I think Miami might stand pat is because I, I do actually know that there's a bit of a split in the room between Tua and Justin Herbert in Miami. And there are some uh, within that room that really like Justin Herbert for a lot of the reasons that you suggested, the injury history with Tua, the reliable nature of Justin Herbert, the fact that Herbert's got such a strong arm, showed a lot of mobility in particular in that Rose Bowl. Um, he's a high character guy, not that Tua isn't, but everything is there from an intangible standpoint. So I really think Miami might stand put uh, at the five position and just see what the Chargers do. And, and it's going to then be in the Chargers um, lap, whether they want to jump up there for Tua or stay at six behind Miami. Now, as it relates to what you were talking about, about the quarterbacks, and I had a discussion with Colin about this. I'm sure you remember Tua's biggest problem or, or weakness is that he thinks he's more elusive than he is. Okay, so it's it's not even that he doesn't know where to go with the ball and so he holds on to it. So there's two ways that you hold on to the ball. One, you're too reliant on your athletic ability and or the other, you don't know where to throw it. He knows where to throw it. He's very smart. He's decisive. He's accurate. He's a really good player. That's why we're talking about him at this position in the draft. But when he does decide to evade, he's way less elusive than he thinks he is. So every single major injury has been in the exact same vein, getting caught from behind, rolled up on, two ankle surgeries, and then, like you said, the catastrophic fractured hip. That That's a problem. He has to change that style of play if he's going to succeed and have any longevity in the NFL. Um, so back to the original thing. If I'm Miami, I'm going to stand put. I'm going to make the charger. First, I'm going to say, hey, Cincinnati, you better tell me no. Then I'm going to say, Chargers, the onus is on you because I'm split, and I think I could go either direction, whether it's Tua or Justin Herbert. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm in love with, with Joe Burrow for lots of reasons other than just this year. I, I talked to Jordan Palmer last week, and obviously he's been working with mm -hmm. Joe Burrow very closely. Um, and, and the things that I like about Joe Burrow, I'll, you know, there's a lot of similarities in Tua, yeah. but I also think wh wh where you go matters, right? Like there's a fit for the city, like Baker Mayfield kind of just fits Cleveland. You know, whatever happens, he fits there. You know what I mean? There are guys that fit in certain places. Brady fit with New England. Phillip Rivers fit with the Chargers. Like there's there's fits. And to me, I don't know if Tua is necessarily a fit in Miami. 
Not that Miami can really talk about what kind of quarterback they need, but if we have one example, it's Dan Marino. And I don't know if you've ever met Dan, but... Haven't had the pleasure. Well, he is like the king of the Dolphins. Like, that's what I call him. I call him king of the Dolphins. I see him, it's the first thing I say, king of the Dolphins. And he laughs, and like, because he kind of is. Like, he just has this man presence... And, you know, he's a little, it's, you look at old school Dan tapes, he's a little rough around the edges, you know, he's got a little swag to him. And you need that in a city like Miami, there's very cultural, uh, a lot a very international, and it, it's a flashy place. And you got to have a certain level of confidence and bravado, something that I mean, look, Ryan Tannehill, I think we all know what he is at this point. But he just didn't have that personality, you know, kind yep. of more of like a Colts guy, yep. <laughs> you know, no, or a Tennessee I, guy. And you know what? As you're talking, the quarterback that I think best fits Miami is Trevor Lawrence. The hair, you know, and, and remember now, you're going to need Miami is going to need, regardless of its, uh, if it's this year or next, to your point, Joy, they're going to need someone that can play in the shadow of Dan Marino. That's what the Denver Broncos have been dealing with for for years. They had to go get Peyton Manning, of all, I mean, literally a, a Mount Rushmore quarterback to go have success because of the shadow of John Elway. And I think Miami, to a, a certain extent, is dealing with the exact same thing. New England's going to deal with that now. Look at the look at the amount of swag it has taken in Green Bay in order to like get away from Brett Favre. It's like, well, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. You know, he doesn't really care about Brett Favre because he he's got that level of confidence and bravado almost uh, uh, to his game. I think Miami might need a guy like that. Yeah. And, and that's why I love Burrow. Point, I don't know. Tua is that way. He's, he's a bit quiet natured. He's not a, a overly vocal leader and he didn't need to be because that roster at Alabama was loaded. Yeah, that's my point. Like, I don't, and I don't know if Herbert is either. And I agree with you. I did like his bowl performance. It it raised his stock to me. But yeah, I don't know if any of those guys, other than Burrow, really fit. So to your point, I agree with you. I give I give uh, Cincinnati literally whatever they want because if you don't have the guy, it really doesn't matter what else you do anyway. And I like their offseason moves. Um, and this wasn't supposed to be all about Miami, but they are a they're a key part to this whole draft. They're the cornerstone of the draft. So I, I think it's correct to talk about them and what they may or may not do because they're the first domino of the entire draft this year and maybe next as well. Yeah. So aside from Tua, Herbert, Burrow, they've kind of all been, been pretty discussed. And Tua is also could be a factor if he doesn't if ends up dropping, which I don't think he will. The Patriots have been rumored about possibly moving up. I don't know if I really buy that. But then again, it's Bill Belichick and, you know, he's the emperor of darkness. So who knows? But Jordan Love is kind of an interesting name. So I I honestly don't know too much about him. Um, People have been kind of falling in love with him a little bit, comparing him to Mahomes. And he's, you know, he's still very rough and he's a lot of development. Where would be a good place for him to go if he ends up going? And do you think he'll go in the first round? Possibly. Uh, remember those quarterbacks that are like always third or fourth in line, they, they tend to get over-selected, um, you know, and so I could see someone jumping in late in the first round, potentially grab Jordan Love and make sure that he doesn't slide overnight into the second round. I, I, I'm not as big of the like comparisons to Mahomes because he, he just, 
made way too many mistakes. He led the country in interceptions with 17 last year. Um, so quick snapshot of, of Jordan Love. He's 6'3", 225 pounds, has an absolute cannon for an arm. So there are things when you turn on the tape, you're like, wow, that's really special. He's agile, he's athletic, he's mobile. Um, and he had some phenomenal seasons, in particular two years ago in 2018, in which he threw for 64%, 32 touchdowns, and only six interceptions. So, it, I mean, he, he has that in his back pocket. Here's what happened, Joy. His head coach and offensive coordinator left. Matt Wells, the head coach, and David Yost, the offensive coordinator, went to Texas Tech. They got a new job. He stated, obviously, Utah State. And Gary Anderson was then the new head coach at Utah State. Gary Anderson is a defensive-oriented coach. Matt Wells is an offensive-oriented coach. And the offensive system that he ran this last year was not quite as quarterback-friendly as the one he ran a couple of years ago in 2018. Keep in mind that he also lost uh, nine starters off of his offense from that previous season. So he only had one returning starter with him, two total on the offense, and that's a big reason why he struggled with the interceptions. Then he started forcing the football, and you got what you got with Jameis Winston in his later years after the national championship, which was just poor decision-making on the field. Now, similar to Jameis Winston, Jordan Love's decision-making also was poor off the field. He got caught with marijuana right before the bowl game, and he got cited for that. It's been thrown out. But if you're an organization, do you really want to take a flyer on a quarterback that may or may not be good on the field and may or may not make good decisions off of it? That's a precarious spot to be, as we know, in this day and age with social media and everything. So Jordan Love is an incredibly talented and enticing athlete. Great arm, like I said, can run high caliber potential. But there are a lot of question marks about everything else surrounding him and his game. So this is a big wide receiver draft. Yep. But do you think that anyone is going to make any trades to move up to get wide receivers? There's been some rumors, you know, Denver might move up, you know, there's there's a lot of guys out there, but I don't know what the drop off is from the top level guys to the next because it's like there's so many wide receivers in this draft. Uh, that's and that's why I don't think anyone's going to have to move. Because as I talk with personnel around the league, there's not a huge drop-off as you get to four, five, six, seven. I mean, it's that deep where, I mean, I have eight wide receivers going in the first round of my mock draft. I'm going to update that and uh, come out with a new one here in the next couple of days. But let's say Denver, for example, they're, they're the 15th selection. Even if the three top wide receivers, consensus, uh, which are Judy, Lamb, and Ruggs, even if they're off the board, Justin Jefferson is still a great option from LSU. Uh, and he's the type of guy that was so productive in the biggest moments that LSU needed him. When Joe Burrow needed a completion, he was like Edelman for Brady. Like that's where Burrow went was Justin Jefferson. He's really good. He's long, uh, can make catches that I feel like are traffic, tough catches, 50-50 balls. He can play all over the place. So for Denver, I don't think that they need to move. Then you even look at the Eagles. I've got them taking T. Higgins. Would you really have to trade up if you're the Eagles? I don't think you would. You've got LaVisca Chenault still available. You've got Jalen Rager from TCU. You've got Brandon Ayuk from ASU. All of those guys are viable. So any wide receiver need that you have as an organization can be fulfilled in the top eight wide receivers. Therefore, I don't think there's going to be a lot of movement for teams to jump up to try to grab any one of them. So as we know, obviously, everything is going to be digital this year, which I mean, look, I'm a big uh, pomp and circumstance fan. I like the yeah. 
uh, lights, and I was very much looking forward to whatever and, and they... the suits, you know, they get they got their suits on, and they got the red carpet. Yeah, it's all the, great. I, lo- I mean, I'm with you. I love all of Yeah, that. so I was looking forward to, you know, them getting on the boat over to the commissioner or whatever plan the NFL had in Vegas this year. But, you know, move it to next year. We're dealing with this now. How nervous are GM's staffs about how all this is going to go down? Very, very. Uh, they did the uh, test run yesterday. It did not start well. <laughs> it did not start well but at then all. But like, they said they got on track. They did get on track. And they said that, you know, after everyone kind of understood the process, that it went smoothly. But there's something you have to know, and you've been around enough football coaches and football people to know that it's like, if you're a real football guy, you're not a technology guy as well, right? Like, when you go into a facility or when I'm with a college coach or an NFL uh, scout or any one of these people and you start like, they're trying to pull up even just film. It's like their bread and butter. They start clicking around and they're like, ah, how do I get this full screen? Like they don't know how to take the video full screen, right? Like it's, they're not the most technologically savvy group that I've ever met. This is uh, the way I, correlated it's like my parents if i send an email to my parents with an attachment and they're like it's a what what like where do i click so i think there's going to be some glitches um hopefully not uh, really hopefully not let me just bring up another point that is, is of a, even a side joy from the technology as you know the discussions in the draft room are robust and there's disagreement and there's shouting and pounding the table and guys that take a stand for certain players in the draft. And where that generally shows its head is when guys have caution flags, injuries like Tua, uh, maybe if it's a a character issue like a Jordan Love or any number of things, uh, maybe a, a failed drug test. What those guys need are individuals within draft rooms that will pound the table and say, no, 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 I'm not concerned about that caution flag and here are the reasons why. Um, I don't think that there's going to be that robust discussion virtually on a Zoom call. You can't argue on Zoom. Everybody listening to this has been on a thousand Zoom calls and conference calls. It's like they're counterproductive because it's you get in line to talk and you can't interrupt anybody. There's no discussion, right? It's a bunch of bullet points and talking points. And that's going to be what happens with these teams on their internal you know, conference calls. So I really think that safe players – Uh, guys without caution flags, without medical history, without character issues, those are going to be the guys picked because you're not going to go take a flyer on a guy if if no one's in the room saying, no, 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 attach him to me. I vouch for him. So that's something maybe to just watch for as it kind of plays out. Yeah. I, when they announced that they were doing the, the conference call meetings with the prospects, um, that was kind of something that I, you know, I was like, what, what would you do? What would your strategy be if you're a prospect, you know, trying to raise your draft stock right now because you don't have a pro day or whatever? Like, I would, I mean, not to be disingenuous, but you've got to talk about, you know, things that will make people, uh, make you seem endearing to people. Like, it's going, like going on a first date, you know, on Skype. <laughs> you're yeah. just going to talk about, you know, your dog growing up and how much you love your grandma. And you, like, I mean, those are the things that people are going to attach to if they can't physically see you or evaluate you anymore and they're worn out on your tape like i agree with you i think that that's going to be a big factor because it's you're right there's no 
in, there's no, it's impossible to argue with more than one person on, on these digital platforms. You can't hear. It's like when we do television shows and everyone's talking at the same time. It's like, well, no one can hear what you're saying now. So, you know, like until we all stop and you take your turn, we can't hear you. That's right. When Colin and I get really heated and no one can understand anything that's going on. But, and, and, and this is another thing to keep in mind that yes, it's the interviews and like the, the, the process of getting a, a prospect onto your campus, if you will, as an NFL team. But remember part of the evaluation is not just the interview itself, which would be done via these conference calls, but also sitting and having lunch with them. Are you on your phone the entire time? What are you like when you meet the equipment staff and the medical staff? Uh, do you have a presence about you in every room that you walk in? Everything matters, yeah. right? So, and none of that is going to be something that these coaches and GMs are going to have a good feel of because they haven't been around these kids. Yeah, I mean, I definitely do. I've been pretty hard on them because I'm like, we need to have the draft, you know, like it, it has to happen and there's no point in, you know, delaying it because that's just going to delay the next step and then the next step. And if it can be done digitally, we're all adjusting. You got to make it happen. But I, I do feel for uh, for teams, especially I think in the later rounds, you know, I think for the most part, unless you were planning on wheeling and dealing, you pretty much know who you want in the very yeah. early rounds. So I think it's more when you, when you start to get to the later rounds, it's going to be more difficult. But And, and keep in mind that the, some teams, you know, teams have very different processes. I've talked with a lot of teams, actually. Some of them make their board as the fall progresses. And so by December, late December, even early January, their draft big board is basically done. And they've had a lot of internal discussions already. And then they just tweak it as we get closer to the draft. Other teams rely completely on the month of April, fly everybody into their facilities throughout the organization, and then they get into a room and hash it out and make the board. Those teams that generally wait till April were so far behind the eight ball in terms of the information that they have or don't have, specifically medically, that they might really struggle come third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, like you were suggesting. Well, the good thing is, um, you know, half the drafts to bus every year, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we won't be too hard on you uh, if it doesn't work out, which okay. is the biggest thing. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's still going to be a great moment for everyone, um, especially right now when there's nothing yeah. else going on. I think, I think the country needs it. Yeah, I think it's going to be super important. It's going to be one we always remember. Um, I do feel for them, but you know, we'll as the media goes, we'll give you a, a lighter pass this year on how everything. And we so, say that now, but three years from now, where it's like they spent a third round. <laughs> I hope not. I don't think. I don't think this whole experience will slip from anyone's mind too quickly. Let's, but, let's um, hope not. Yeah. Well, thank you, Joel. I really appreciate it. I know you're super busy. Um, you bet. Enjoy the draft. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I'm sure you'll be on the herd again soon. So. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. Thanks, Joy. Good Thanks. to see you. Take care. Be safe. Bye. Quit. What? Quit it. We about to turn up in this bitch. All right, what up, Heller? What's some wood or quit it today? Hello, Joy. Um, all right, the, yeah, I hit the wave real fast on them. You're, whoa, whoa. All right. Uh, speaking of waves, the last dance has made some waves, and the release of it is making things spicy for players past and present. While Tony Kukoc weighed in on some can't we all be friends type-ish, Draymond obviously took it to the streets using the uninterrupted after-party platform 
take a shot at Kevin Durant. Dre said that KD let his contract situation be the quote elephant in the room and left the other players to address it with the media. Joy, Draymond is right, but he shouldn't have told Nav Carter and them about it. Quit it or quit it? Uh, no, I don't think he's right. So I'm gonna quit it. I also don't mm. think he should have told Mav and the entire world about it either. I so, I don't yeah. agree with him. Here's the thing. The situation with the last dance occurred, and we'll talk about him in a moment, because yeah. Jerry Krause told Phil Jackson, under no circumstances, you can win every single game this season, you're not coming back, which is a statement in right. and of itself that is crazy, purified insanity. So we knew it was over. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But we knew it was over. Like Phil was leaving. Jordan wasn't going to yeah. play without Phil. So they, that's why they yeah. called it the last dance. So it was yeah. very easy to be like, yeah, this is it. Because you gave us an ultimatum. If there's no, you've had an ultimatum and I'm sure in your life at some point. I don't respond well to ultimatums. But nope. if I have one, then I've made a decision. Okay. I now have to make a decision. This is my decision and let's move forward. But yeah. in free agency, especially in today's NBA, that doesn't apply, it doesn't work. Draymond doesn't have these problems because Draymond isn't Kevin Durant or LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard, he's Draymond Green. And that's no disrespect, but he's not changing the course of a franchise's future. Got them Scottie Pippen problems. Right, so, and, and again, they have no championships without Draymond Green, but he's still not that level so to say that kd owes him or anyone else on the team or anyone else on the planet an explanation about what he's going to do before he even has probably the information he needs to make that decision is silliness yeah. kd didn't make that decision before the beginning of the year and even if he did he doesn't owe anyone an explanation he needs to yeah. play as if he's not made that decision already now i'm gonna assume he hadn't but again, that's what free agency is. And it serves KD no purpose to come out and say, yeah, I'm definitely leaving Golden State after this is over. Why? So fans can be out on him. So half the fan yeah. base is divided so that they're all talking about, well, what do you guys do next year? Should you try and, you know, figure out a plan right now to prepare for next year? Like, it's not even going to be a conversation about what's going on. So it, it's what, what kind of problems do you want? There's problems on both sides. And then if he does end up staying, he looks silly. So if he says he's leaving and he ends up saying he looks silly. Right. If he says he's staying yeah. and he ends up leaving, he's a traitor. Yeah. So he can't win. So the only thing to do is not say anything, which of course leaves it up to the rest of the team. But that's what free agency is. It happens every single year to whatever team has the big star who may potentially leave. It's the situation that the NBA is in right now. It's how it goes. He's not wrong at all for the way that he handled it. Right. And he doesn't owe anyone an explanation for what he's going to do with his future. Hello, you called him after you lost so that he could come and help you win a championship, okay. which he obliged. So let's just all be okay. grateful for our experiences and not okay. try and make it seem like you weren't the one that called him a bitch and then everyone got upset. Okay, so uh, very good points. Uh, I definitely, when I was watching the last uh, dance, thought of Draymond and I was like, damn, how's Draymond gonna... Like what's what's his role in this gonna be moving forward? And in my mind, I pictured him getting thrown out of the Chase Center the way Charles Oakley did in at at, at the Garden. So I'm glad that he's that if he's in it, that it's not for that yet. Um, that's that's farther in the future. Um, I think it's your there. Katie when he said what he said, and now Draymond saying what he said are talking past each other a little bit. 
Draymond let it slip a little bit in some of the way how he said the stuff. They're like, you don't talk to the media anyway. There were a couple extra barbs in there. And when KD blamed leaving and not feeling comfortable on the fans, that was his way of saying that I don't think that the team ever, they gelled as businessmen. They gelled as people with a common goal. Um, They gelled as champions twice uh, and only injury could stop them. However, I, you know, I don't know if that relationship with KD is going to last very much into the future. I think he might, he might be, uh, uh, you know, obviously he's a huge part of the thing, but I, you know, he's not as close with Steph and Dre and Clay as they are, are, are all with each other. And I think that's really at the end of the day, what this is about. Yeah. And that's fine. Every relationship doesn't have to be forever. Every situation, nothing is forever. So, and that's a, that can be considered a pessimistic way of looking at life, but it's also a realistic way of looking at life. And it's something that Kevin Durant very much subscribes to, which is why he's moved around as much as he yeah. has. And that's fine. It's, you can handle your career however you want to. And he's taken a lot of shit for how he's handled his career. But guess what? He's MVP and he's a champion, so everybody can kiss his ass. And he's yep. going to come back as good as he was last year. Everyone's concerned about it. I don't know what for. Out of sight, out of mind. Again, I love Draymond. I think he's great. I don't think they win any of their championships without him. I think that was shown when he got suspended and the Cavs ended up winning yep. the championship. Yep. So his value is not arguable. But to put this on KD like he owes somebody something, he don't owe nobody nothing. Nothing. You have rings to show for it. Everyone sometimes just needs to be grateful for what they experience. I know it's hard to not throw shots and this happened and that yep. happened. And believe me, I love the content. I'm here for it. But I just don't agree. Yep. And you can tell I got the Draymond jersey on right now. I'm bouty about it. However, he should have stood up when Mav said he could, when Steph Curry couldn't defend him because uh, like there was a, a slippage of, of everyone's brain that allowed, they must have edited. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I know this next take is not going to be popular. But here is Jerry Krause's side of the last dance. Ready? Krause was the guy at the pro level to push Michael Jordan in the only way Michael's own father said worked with his son. Tell MJ, no, you can't. You can't do that. In a constantly escalating game of disrespect that fueled Michael Jordan's greatness, Krause got the best out of MJ. The end. Joy, Jerry Krause was very necessary for the Bulls' success. Win it or quit it. I mean, I guess I have to say with it in that you can't deny that he played a role in their success, but you can, and you can be two things at once. You can be an ultimate villain and the demise of the success that you created. You can be both. You can be the creator of your success and then the demise of your success. And there's no arguing that he was in fact the demise of the Chicago Bulls and they're still paying for it to this day. Here's Here's the problem. Phil Jackson, the Zen master, and he and him, their relationship deteriorated, right? That happens. Right. But for you to say, for you to say something as unrealistic and just pure silliness, that you could win every single game this year and it's still gonna be your last year coaching, that is nothing other than a completely pure egotistical statement because that's nonsense. If they went out and won every single game of the season and then he fired him the next year, he would have been run out of town. I'm surprised he wasn't run out of town to begin with. But the problem is, is and they said it in the documentary, Krauss became obsessed with ego. I want to rebuild. I want to prove that this is me. I'm the one who really created this. I'm the one who built this and I can build it again. 
Well, it's never been built again and it will never be built again. And it's not about how, how many championships you can win, right? That dynasty, the, the last dance we were watching and experiencing will never be duplicated because you can't duplicate the players and personalities. It's just like how the New England Patriots will never be duplicated because everything had to fall into place. You had to have the right personality in Tom and yep. the right personality in Bel Belichick and the right owner and crafts. Everything had to smush together to make this perfect yep. cake and you don't have the ingredients anymore. So while I don't and can't relate to people who make decisions based purely off of ego, because that's mm -hmm. insanity mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. I also don't think it's fair to say that he doesn't deserve any credit, but I can say he deserves credit while also saying, okay, but you're also the reason why this ended. And you were wrong to end it. And yeah. you in the history books, in the history documentaries, will be looked yep. on poorly because you chose to choose <laughs> your ego off of the greatest to ever do it. This is, I. all of that is true. It makes sense, but this is m the Michael Ver Jordan version of how this all went down. And so I, I, he, he's the one at the end of the day, who's the name with all the power and all the money now might not have been that way. Then it was in a lot of those senses, but he's the one with, so he's the one that has to sign off on this. No one gives a shit about what Jerry Krause thinks. I don't actually even know. Is Jerry Krause alive? No, he's very dead. He in the doc? He's been dead for right, years. So, Right. So Jerry Krause has passed. And so I, you know, I think it was, I don't even think they did it, did Jerry Krause any injustice in the movie. I think all of you Michael Jordan stands are looking for someone to be mad at right now. And you found him. But I'm not mad. We already knew how this ended. We knew all of this. This is just being you retold in a poetic fashion. We know that this right. ended. We know that Phil Jackson had to leave. We know that Jordan retired. We know they won the championship. We know all these things. Yeah. And I would argue it's not just Jordan saying that Krause f***ed up. Uh, Steve Kerr said it. He couldn't get out of his way. The owner even implied that he couldn't get along with anybody. Phil Jackson, certainly. Uh, everyone was talking about how this relationship was. And my thing is this. I'm a player first person, right? Now, maybe that's just because of my personal experiences. But I also believe at the end of the day, the players are the product. Nobody, not ever, never, ever has ever showed up at a sporting event to see the owner unless it's Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is literally the only owner that I can even possibly think of that someone bought a ticket like, I hope I see Jerry Jones. That's why I'm going to this game or that's why I'm going to this event. Nobody no. cares about the owner. Nobody cares about the GM. So all this like I get credit. You, it doesn't matter how much credit you get. You can get all the credit in the world. Pat Riley gets all the credit in the world for putting together that Heatles ensemble, right? Like when I think yep. of that, I yep. know Pat Riley was the architect of that. But if LeBron James doesn't go out there, game six, Boston, and you're building for life, all that doesn't matter. It's cute. Right. It was fun. It was great, but it, it doesn't matter. LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Mike Miller had to hit those threes. Shane Battier had to come through. Mario Chalmers. Mm. Like, we know the story, right? So at the end of the day, it yeah. really was about the players. You can get credit for being an excellent executive. Yeah. And I would even put Pat Riley in a different category because Pat Riley is the fucking godfather. He ain't no Jerry right. Krause. Please. I feel I'm offended for, for him for even putting them in the same conversation together. So... Well, no, it doesn't yeah. matter. You're an executive. Know your role. Stay in your lane, okay? This is not about you. I don't even want to know your 
name. I don't even want to talk about you that much. You should be unseen, unheard, make your gangster moves, make stuff happen. And then, and only then, when you are not a problem, do you receive the proper credit for being an excellent executive. That's what happens when you're a suit. That's why you're a suit. No one cares. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about the product. I know. It's, it's, not, it's not about him. It's about Michael Jordan. And that's who's responsible for all of the good things. And that's who's responsible for the demise in the end. Michael Jordan is not responsible for the demise of the Chicago Bulls he's dynasty. But he's the GOAT, Joy. He's responsible for everything. It's his world. He created this. No. Come on now. He, he can't, could not listen. control Jerry Krause getting rid of Phil Jackson. And listen, it doesn't matter. It was meant to be, right? It was meant to be that they won that yep. amount of championships. It was meant to be that they split when they did. Everything is not forever. It's, if it was premature, then it would be a different conversation. Like if they're like, oh, they could have won six, yep. seven, eight, nine, ten championships, then okay, they won yep. six. Like it's, it, it, it lived its purpose. It's enough. Yep. And, and, after, and after the first time they won three in a row, dude left. Uh, so, uh, that's a different conversation. We're not talking about that. This is the last dance. This is but, a different. This is not, but the, the, the organization has to then. It's we're, the we're same situation. The we're talking about Boom the Who me once. I made a very George good Bush point about Krause. Once. Let's move on. Shame on, <laughs> shame on you. Fool me twice. You ain't gonna fool me twice. <laughs>
There is a chance, yeah. Exactly. There is a chance. You know that, like, LeBron and KD, like, they talk back to fans. You have mm -hmm. access to them. Um, you know, The Rock is is very, not accessible, but, you know, yeah, like, he sees, he's on his social media. He'll, he'll respond back to a tweet or send a video unsolicited yep. to fans. It's just a different space and time. Like, it, back in the day, you only saw Michael Jackson or Michael Jordan on TV if you had a TV and you were in front of your TV when they happened to be on TV. The appointment viewing. The appointment scene. viewing at the highest level. So, exactly. and I mean, maybe you were like me and you recorded the videos on VHS and then watched them back and watched the games back. But, you know, it was just a different time. Like superstars felt like so outer space big and, and monumental and influential. And you just wanted to literally be them. And I get it. Like people transform their whole bodies to look like Kim Kardashian now and like get lips to look like Angelina Jolie. And sure, there's still hero worship, but I don't think that it's on the level that it is now and it, and it never will be again. So not to say that stars aren't gonna have lasting power. I just think there is a romantic element to that yeah. time period in time when stars were just so big screen important. Right. That you would, in that doc, you would see people like losing themselves being just in Michael's orbit. Uh, they were like visibly starstruck. There was that one moment where the audio tech like asked for his autograph and it's super awkward because it's like the most unprofessional thing, but that guy was willing to risk his job just to get MJ's autograph. And looking back on it, that's probably embarrassing, but at the same time, it's not because it's Michael Jordan. So it's understood. Yeah, and it's just a different, it's a different space now. Like I think people still want to get pictures. It's more pictures now. Like people want to get pictures with stars more yeah. so than autographs, but I don't think, I can't imagine, even LeBron James, even Beyonce, like I can't imagine a, a, a tech person or what audio person like risking their job to get an autograph, maybe after the interview, like, hey, can I get a quick picture? But like beforehand, like in that space, like we work in the business, that's, you don't do that. <laughs> you know? Right, so yeah, and that was just like a small moment, but I thought it was important that they showed that because that's really like the level of influence and stardom that they had. So I don't think we're gonna see that again. All right, uh, high key, a change is coming to Duval County. Loki, don't the Jags know that tanking doesn't work? Well, I don't think they got the memo, but they are definitely tanking. That is 100% what's happening in Jacksonville. They're not fooling anybody. They're trying to trade Leonard Fournette. They've already made like five significant trades since the beginning of last year. And now they're talking about going with Gardner Minshew as their starting quarterback. And look, we all love Minshew mania, but you know, those things last a year. And then now we're ready for you to be a legitimate quarterback. So... The jean shorts, the jorts, and the, you know, the bandana and all that stuff, the mustache was all adorable. We loved it. But now it's time to, you know, play some big boy quarterback stuff, and I, that's not what's going to happen. But it's fine. Like, that's what Jacksonville's doing. The problem is the Dolphins did that last year, this, like, fake tank. And it actually worked out great for them because their front office and their head coach seem to know what they're doing now. So they have like 23 picks in, in, in this draft and next year combined. Um, yeah. It's insane the amount of draft capital that they have. They're going to be able to make such significant moves on top of signing a bunch of really great contracts and free agency to bolster their defense. So if Jacksonville all of a sudden 
has their stuff together in their front office and coaching uh, areas, then yeah, this is a great idea. Get Trevor Lawrence, but I don't Thank think that's Trevor. what's going to happen. So, and, and it's unfortunate for us if Joe Burrow ends up going to Cincinnati, and then next year we got Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's looking to be a reality, though. There's a very good chance that that's our future. That's bleak. Yeah. So hopefully that doesn't happen, but it seems like that's the Jags' uh, low-key, sneaky move here. All right. Uh, High-key, the Patriots switched it up and unveiled new jerseys for the first time in 20 years. Low-key, might they trade up and unveil Tua as their draft choice and QB of the future? Well, they are. They're making some moves. So they they made a significant move today, actually. So pretty big news. Rob Gronkowski is going to be playing for the Buccaneers. The Patriots traded his rights for a seventh rounder and a fourth rounder from the Buccaneers. So they got an additional pick. I don't think anybody really cares about the seventh rounder, but the fourth rounder is a significant pick. Yeah. And Gronk is going to be playing with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, which makes that whole situation way more interesting. And obviously Gronk is a uh, is a Fox family now, so we're losing him for, <laughs> for the broadcast this year, although I'm sure he'll be back when he finally officially yeah. retires. But yeah. uh, I do love the New Jerseys, and I do think that the Patriots could be up to something. Now, two is going to have to slip significantly for this to even be a play for them. And by significantly, I mean out of the top 10, which I don't really think is going to happen. I know a lot of people are really nervous about his injury, but at the end of the day, the talent has to speak for something. And guys get injured all the time. And I'll listen. I don't love it. It makes me nervous. But if he's available yeah. when you are picking, you kind of got to take him if you're in a position to take a quarterback, obviously. So I don't think he slips out of the top 10. But if he does, I could definitely see them doing this, which is terrifying. Yeah, that's scary. Uh, high key, the Browns say they're not looking to trade Odell Beckham Jr. Low key, the Browns are looking to trade Odell Beckham Jr. Do you see what I did there? I do. <laughs> yes, low key, this is happening. So I really, I love when teams do this, like we're new or something. Yeah. The Giants pulled the same thing. We didn't sign Odell Beckham Jr. to trade Odell Beckham Jr. Well, Odell, Beckham, Odell plays for the Browns now, so you you were actually. And look, maybe the Browns haven't had any significant conversations with teams about trading Odell. But this didn't just come from nowhere. And there are some issues with Odell in Cleveland. Now, I never thought this was the right fit. I was never excited about this. I think Odell has done a great job of buying into being in Cleveland, selling us this idea that he's happy in Cleveland. And yeah, he's saying things. Yeah, I mean, he's been great. So it's it's not on Odell at all. This is not Odell's fault. And it's really not even Baker's fault either. Like, Cleveland loves to fire coaches and fire GMs and, you know, bring in new coordinators every other week. It's their thing. They are – they love it. They they live for it. So I, I don't blame Baker or Odell in the situation that it hasn't worked out great. But the thing about it is, is Odell just doesn't fit Cleveland. It's not a fit. Odell is a superstar. Cleveland is not a superstar place. Can be mad at me if you want to, but LeBron ain't there no more, okay? And that is just not how it works there. And it's I'm not saying that there aren't superstars that have been in Cleveland, sure. But Odell is a different brand. He is Odell. He is a he is a one namer, okay? Like yeah. Baker is not quite there yet. <laughs> to us, maybe, but like in general, it's still Baker Mayfield. Odell needs to be somewhere where he can shine and thrive, and I don't think that that's going to happen in Cleveland. 
they have a lot of weapons. They're going to be a run-first offense, and I, it's just it's just the right situation for them to move Odell. It's the right situation for Odell too. I do think he will end up being traded once the season starts. I think they're going to keep him through uh, training camp and through the start of the season. But I, eventually, Odell's not going to finish his career in Cleveland. That's just Where not going to happen. I'm traded too. I think the Raiders would be awesome. Personally, the, the Raiders Vegas. would be the Raiders would be amazing. Obviously, Odell in Las Vegas is like a, a dream. So yeah. yes, the Raiders would be awesome. Um, I, I mean, it just it just really just depends. I also think Miami would be a great great place for Odell. Mm-hmm. He obviously wanted to come to LA. He's an LA guy, but I just think Odell, regardless of where he ends up going, Minnesota was obviously the one in, in the in the original conversation. I like Minnesota too. Minnesota is not a Minnesota is a very big brand brand. And they can handle big wide receiver personalities. Yeah. We've yes. seen it, and they have Everyone thrived. So mm-hmm. that is a good space for him, too. I think he just needs to be in a consistent situation. And as of right now, Cleveland is not a consistent situation. Yeah, that's not their thing. It's consistency. No, no. it's not. No. Mm-mm. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, T. Time for the culture report. What's the T? How are you? Good. How are you? <laughs> Doing good. Okay, so on April 21st, 2016, we lost an icon by the name of Prince at 57 years old. I still can't believe it's been four years, but thankfully his music still lives within all of us. Some of my favorite Prince songs are I Want to Be Your Lover, When Doves Cry, Kiss, and Purple Rain. Joy, tell me about one of your favorite Prince moments and her songs. My favorite Prince moment is him performing at the Super Bowl in Miami. Not this last one, but obviously the one before that. Um, mm-hmm. My favorite Prince story is actually from that Super Bowl. So uh, I actually reposted the video on Facebook today if you want to go watch it. But um, if you remember, it rains at that Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So um, performing yeah. in the rain is not really ideal, especially if you're a Prince. And so Prince was waiting for, you know, before the Super Bowl and started raining. And it was someone's responsibility to go and tell Prince, you're going to have to perform in the rain. So, and there was no cover over the stadium, obviously. So this is an issue. So this poor guy goes in and he's like, excuse me, uh, Mr. Prince, I have some bad news. Um, it's raining. And it doesn't look like it's going to let up. So it's probably going to be raining at halftime. And, you know, we're going to try and do as best we can to keep the stage dry, blah, 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 whatever. And he's like, you know, is there anything we can do for you? And he goes, yes. Can you make it rain harder? (laughs) (laughs) And it's such a, like, amazing Prince story. It's so quintessential Prince. I'm a huge Prince fan. I think he's the greatest of all time um he's i've got his book the beautiful ones is on my wall i got a um magazine like i'm a huge prince fan i can't even pick a favorite song obviously or like a list of favorite songs um but he's just iconic to me he just represents everything that like true music is like he was a true musician i think he played like 27 instruments and he's just iconic like all the prince stories you ever hear are all consistent he just loved music like with everything that he was and i'm like obsessed with the goats i've got michael on my wall i've got muhammad ali i have you know quentin tarantino tupac whitney freddie mercury prince 
I just have like an obsession with the greatest like that to ever do it in whatever their profession is. I, like I admire Steve Jobs and Prince is just to me all of that. Like he's just greatness, yeah. unapologetic, uh, revolutionary, played basketball, hooper, loved sports. So uh, I, I was actually on the herd four years ago when Prince passed. I remember it because we were live on the show and it was maybe like a minute or two before we were coming back from break. And I, I think I either read it or somebody told, like said in my ear, like, oh my God, like Prince just passed. And I was yeah. shook. And I, 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 I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and Colin was like, do you need to like, you know, take a break or something? I was literally just like, I, like I'll never forget it. Cause Colin was like, are you sure you can keep doing the show? I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't have to keep doing the show, but I'm like, I can't believe Prince just yeah. passed. But we remember him always. I'm, I unfortunately never got to see him live, which is a travesty, but um, one of my favorites of all time for sure. Oh yeah, same. Yeah, his, his death was shocking for all of us. No one saw it coming, so, but he has some great music, so I still listen to it. I, I updated my playlist and I have all the, a bunch of Prince songs on there. So love it, love it. All right, so speaking of music, so on Saturday, it's a quick recap. Saturday, April 18th, Babyface and Teddy Riley, they went head to head on Instagram Live, playing some of the hottest songs they produced. Now, Teddy had a whole like band performing, like he was performing in front of like a live audience. I don't think he realized that on Instagram Live, you don't have to do that. You can literally talk, sing, play music into the microphone. It's super simple. So the sound was awful and they had to postpone it. They had a rematch on Monday, April 20th, and it went more smoothly. At one point, Joy, there was 511,000 people in this live. Like my mom texted me like, I can't get in. And it was incredible. I heard songs I didn't even know that Teddy and Babyface produced. But when it's two legends like that, like, is there really a winner? Well, I think that's I kind of the point of these, like, battles is that there really isn't a winner because they right. both have so many hits that they can keep going back and forth. I, like your mother, could not get in either. <laughs> Every time I clicked on it, I'm like, no way is this malfunctioning again but it was just yeah. we just broke the internet like they couldn't it, 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 it couldn't get any more people in so every time i clicked on it it was frozen so i did not get the experience unfortunately but i love that artists are doing this it's so fun it's it's great for discussion it's great for introducing you know people to music that you hadn't even known that they were a part of creating um so yeah. i'm loving it i hope they keep doing it um it's it's really fun for everybody so i instagram needs to figure out how to open it up to a few more people though i i agree i the would love like perfectly... some pop ones like britney versus oh. christina you know like <laughs> janet versus tony braxton or something like let's let's get some Let's get some remixes on this. Yeah. I'm like NSYNC versus Backstreet Boys. Or I don't like know why even Justin Timberlake that. versus like Usher or something. Mm. There's a there's a lot I of love... them available. Yeah, I feel like that this is this is gonna inspire so many people to do this. So I love it. Yeah. Love it. All right, so favorite shows of the week. So for me, well, quick update, actually. I want to tell you that I actually watched True Detective. Did you finish the whole season? <laughs> so, okay, yes, I got through the whole season, but it took two days. And it's only eight episodes. Yeah, that's so fair. So that's not, 
Yeah, so it was, it was very easy to get through. I watched it with my roommate. I mean, we both loved it. Super intriguing and captivating. Each episode left you wanting more, which is why we got through it so fast. But I didn't, I'm not sure if you knew this, but did you know that Joseph Sakura, who plays Tommy from Power, was Ginger? Yeah. Okay. Because I was like, <laughs> that looks like Tommy. And I was really excited because I, I love Tommy from Power. So. Yeah, he <laughs> pops up in a lot of different places. He's in um, he's yeah. in Ozark this year, too. See, I need to start that. I yeah, haven't Ozark seen is great. Um, I am working through the last or the most current season now but yeah he's in the most current season yeah that's his name now his name is tommy um but yeah like, oh look at this tommy uh yeah he's so I'm, I'm glad you liked it it's crazy right that yeah. scene where they go to yeah. the projects is crazy yeah it was but man it was some amazing acting like I, now i understand why it was so good everyone keeps saying the same thing you said don't worry about season two they they, they made a mistake just skip that. But no, season one was incredible. I loved it. So I really haven't watched anything this week, except for I did watch the Disney sing-along, which I think was, I want to say it was Friday. Maybe it was Saturday. And Saturday, I yeah. was getting my, I, I live tweeted the entire event, which no one asked me to do. <laughs> and it was like so out of context, half of what was going on. But um I love Disney and I love Disney songs and I don't care what kind of nerd that makes me, but like princess movies make me happy. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And then they got me thinking, I think we should, I think we should like sports rank some Disney songs. Like the most, the most inspirate, like Fitzpo song of all time for Disney is definitely I'll make a man out of you from Mulan. Mm. Let's get down to business. <laughs> And then, uh, and then I was like, okay, so what's another like good workout Disney song? So it's so funny because I had this conversation last night and I think the, oh, one of my favorite, favorite Disney songs would have to be from a Goofy movie. Love Goofy movie, but when Tevin Campbell was Powerline, yes! I joy, literally the best. I don't know if anything can top that. What a great suggestion. Okay. So, so far we have, um, I'll make a man out of you. Uh, yes. Tevin Campbell, Powerline from Goofy Movie. I, I, yeah. um, I think Hercules, um, Zero to Hero. Zero to Hero, okay. just like that. <laughs> um, Zero to Hero. I gotta think, man. There's some really good ones. We, we, should, we should make a top 10, like, Fitzbo Disney, <laughs> Disney list. Let's do it. Seriously. Okay, so let's think, and we'll put it out for this weekend. Okay, and then we, we just, I mean, we can't forget about Anna and... Um, uh, oh my gosh, I'm so mad. My mind is like, oh, from I'm forgetting Frozen? the name of the movie. Frozen, Frozen and Frozen 2. So both of those songs too. Uh, let it go, but it's like, is let it go make you work, want to work out though? I mean, no, but I mean, I could, I could sing that. I've sung it while I've, you know, oh, stretched. Like most singable you, songs. You had to stretch. Most sing, oh, well, for stretching. Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah, <laughs> we're going to figure it out. We'll think about it. We'll think this through though. We'll get it okay. down. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us this week. Thank you to Joel Clapp for stopping by. Very, very busy guy right now with the draft coming up. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and check us out wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartMedia app, SoundCloud, Spotify. Check us out on social media. Follow us at Maybe I'm Crazy Pod. Thanks for joining us this week and we'll catch you next week. Maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm not. Oh.